Well, I was actually I was listening to Rogan on Donaher and Donaher on Rogan, and yeah. which is a fantastic episode if you guys haven't listened to it. Great really perspective by a yeah. stupidly smart individual. But him mm-hmm. talking about how there's no one method. Do you get to that point at the towards the end? He's talking about like there's no one scientifically validated method. He doesn't teach performance because he said there's no one thing that can increase everything. It's like guys will find their niche, guys will find what they want to do, but there's no good research around what like types of programming that increases your grappling prowess, if you will. And while I don't think I don't think he's wrong, I think something that I always talk about with like just when I shoot the shit with people is I'm like, how much of this shit that people talk about when they're like, oh, like there's no research for that? Do we just know not know how to quantify yet? Yeah. Like a lot a lot of the times we like I how do you quantify grappling prowess? How do you quantify like actual translation into sport? Is it just wins? Because if you're just quantifying wins, then competition is the a variable that needs to be <laughs> that needs well, to be. You're gonna, like, you're gonna hate where I take this, but you know that was my master's degree, right? Sociology of sport and like how do we study all this stuff? Um, but like as of right now, like that's the highest valuable assessment, right? Is did you win? Yeah. Um, but I like your point. Like, how do we know anything, right? Because coaching in itself is a hugely dogmatic traditional profession right? You know what you know, because that's how you were coached or that's how your, your yeah. mentor coached, or that's how whoever you've been around coaches is very traditional, very, um, what tradesman. It's like a tradescraft, right? Yep. But that's where like my master's degree and my mentors are doing some work to put some social, actual, like academic literature behind that stuff. Like as much as the traditional, um, like ceremonial knowledge works in the coaching atmosphere and sure it does. Um, are those practices there be- just because that's what we have, or are they actually there because that's what makes champions? Like, yeah. no, it's, it's dude. I say no it all the, that. I say it all the time. It's like metrics are just made up. They're metrics that you decided were a metric. A foot wasn't a foot until some dude in England decided to call it a foot. Dude, um, right. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, taking it away from strength and conditioning a little bit, is in uh, Avengers Infinity War when uh, Thor says, We're going to Nivedalir. And Rocket Raccoon looks at him and says, That word's made up. And Thor looks back, <laughs> he goes, All words are made up. <laughs> <laughs> but they, dude, they are. Like, it was just we as a collective, one dude's like, Oh, yeah, we should use this foot as the unit of measurement. I don't even know the history of feet. I'm sure it could be some super cool story, but no idea what it is. But they're like, probably, oh, this, this is a unit Roman of measurement. Emperor that says, this is how big my foot is. This is the new unit of measurement because I am God. Right. Exactly. Like theocrats. Well, if we apply that to what we're talking about here is like, like, what is a unit of measurement for grappling? What is it? Is it takedown ability? Is it ankle dorsiflexion to be able to get into a proper position? Is it ability to like ability to stabilize your control on top. So think about like a gyroscope is what I like when I'm riding on top, I'd say I have a gyroscope. Like how do we quantify this? Well, I mean, I guess like, um, being about traditionally, practically it's belts, right? Like what belt are you, but that becomes less and less practical as you don't wear a gi, right? Like, or or things you're not traditional, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you're no gi grappling. Um, Right. Or just wrestling. There's no belts in wrestling. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like people, people, dude, people ask me all the time, what do you say? Because people are like, well, what I've had people ask, what belt are you in wrestling? Or like, how good are you at wrestling? And I'm like, I don't really know how the fuck to answer that. Like, it's I'm funny good. too, because 
like people that wrestle will know. Like when I even like I tell them I wrestled a D three college, they're like, "Well, college wrestling is college wrestling. Like, don't matter." You know, right? But yeah, that's an interesting paradigm because the only way to rank yourself is like who you beat, who you lost to, type of thing. But there's so much more to it than that because within the who you beat, who who beat you, there's like matchups. There's so many different uh, factors and you know real world situations. That how how do you know? Well, right, and then you oh, there's also like if you want to try to like quant, I guess qu- quantify, yeah, quantify like wrestling, like. <sighs> that that whole black belt system that's great fine and dandy but everybody knows that there's different levels of black belts i mean and then there's obviously coral belt on top of that but like there's the black belt that got it after 15 years of just rolling and then he just stuck with it and he's not that like it's not that he's bad but he's not gonna beat yeah it's ceremonial it's not what very well deserves like i tell people i'm like i used (laughs) i used to be good like like not i the other thing that bugs me is when people talk about like, like I say, oh yeah, I wrestled, I, I wrestled my whole life, and, wrestled, and they're like, oh, I wrestled in high school. I'm like, shut the fuck. Up. Yeah, you don't know, bro. God damn it, <laughs> you're, you're shut not the about fuck it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> like because like I, I sometimes I still get that just because of the people I'm around and who I wrestle with now. Like sometimes I still get that like, oh, when I have to tell people I wrestled D3, that little like uh, I don't know the word. It's not kind of like. Uh condescending kind of a look or what a little bit of kind con- not i was thinking just myself like i always i feel like the need to qualify it yeah 100 Be- yeah. because like then i say like oh i wrestled d I, i'm like oh i wrestled in wisconsin they're like oh you wrestle at uw and i'm like no nah, i wrestled at small school lacrosse on the border of minnesota all these different things and then they like give me like a look and then i feel like i have to qualify myself so then i like break out i'm like well like I decided uh, I have to go into the whole like, oh, I decided academics are more important. I I took second in the country in high school. Like I have to like drop little nuggets. And like it's exactly like you're saying, though, there's like there's a difference, though, because like that guy that like if you're just having a conversation with somebody, there's that guy that wrestled in high school and like, sure, like that's experience and you have some type of like grappling knowledge. But then like I get my hands on you and like, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is not just a high school wrestling guy, you know? Right. It's, and it's cool. Like, that's another thing is because like so many people, like I say, like, oh, I wrestled D3 and then we get on the mat and I just, I I mean, no disrespect to who I'm talking about, but I just fucking work people because I, once I, like, once I get on top, my game is basically like top pressure in MMA wrestling. Like that's my whole fucking game. And like this happened to me all the time. It's like you you fake people out with a white belt, right? Like I was a white belt for like the (laughs) first six months. Yeah, I did (laughs) jujitsu and everybody's like, oh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like you go with somebody and like, and then you start turning on a little bit or whatever. And they're like, you're not a white belt or whatever. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, well, you know. Dude, my favorite, my favorite was we were doing like, it was like an open mat at the gym that I coached at in Portland. And this dude, I think he's either purple or brown. Um, and we, we were rolling and he just knew I was a wrestler. Didn't like he, but I was a white belt. He's like, he had heard about me that I would just wrestle mm-hmm. a little bit. And we started on the feet and I fucking arm through him. <laughs> I, I arm through him almost out of the room. Dude. And he's like, Oh, white belt, huh? I'm like, yeah, sorry. Dude, takedowns are so <laughs> like, I want, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just want, I want to have an actual like dedicated, like takedown or like wrestling class anymore. Cause takedowns in jujitsu just don't feel as good. Well, dude, Donaher actually talks about that in the, the Rogan talk too, which is awesome, t- which I appreciate because he wants to innovate. He doesn't want to just yeah. transition wrestling takedowns into jujitsu. He thinks that it's a more effective way to just innovate and, and try and, to get people down with jujitsu. And that's the, that's the, the overarching philosophical 
philosophical like thought that he has that's like that's that's the what makes him him right or that was what makes anybody great is they have these innovative ideas they don't have these i'm going to survive or get to the top of the mountain he's like i'm going to make the mountain bigger right so yeah that's that's a different level of thinking there but um but yeah to your point i was doing an open mount mat as well and this was back i was at, i was at not a great gym that qualified my skill so they had me in the like beginner classes and we did start on your feet. And all you had to do was get a push out. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I, was was a good one. I, I just got an underhooks on somebody. I picked them up and walked them out of the circle. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I kind of looked at the instructor. It was like, not in my head. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, but I want to go back to what you're saying about like, how do we measure this shit? Like what's the qualification or what's the objective measurement of it? Like, I don't have a problem that there's no measurement of it though, because this is how it has to be to have an evolving society to have an innovative front is practice needs to be ahead of research. And and I think that's how it is for the most part. Like even in the like Soviet union, where we stole all of our exercise science from, they use practice to inform their research. Right. Yeah. So like practice driven research. Yeah. I mean, you have to be knowledgeable about a topic. You have to know what came before you. You have to like do your due diligence and be good at your job. But at the end of the day, if you're not innovating through practice and and pushing the envelope to see what could be better or trying to evolve your game, then you're you're behind the eight ball. You're not, you know, making difference. You're not building on whatever the, the shoulders of giants, that type of talk. But one of the best ways that I've heard it was. Uh, Clint Wattenberg at the UFC told me, he's like, we're too progressive here to be evidence-based. Yes. Like yeah. there's a lot going on in the nutrition and, and dietetics. And he's like, but we're too progressive. We're changing the game every week at these events. We're making it happen. He's like, we have to be evidence informed. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we have all that knowledge in our pocket, but we need to push the envelope and keep going forward with it. Right. No. And that's, that's funny because that was a big part of my schooling where like, what my what western states the cairo school that i went to what we're known for is being the diagnosticians of cairo like that's where the most evidence based school out there but that sacrifices i think personally some of what we're taught as far as on the treatment side of things on the actual practice side of things so that's where like me being with motion palpation institute and learning through them and and through all the different dns and the soft tissue courses and all these different things where you learn to become evidence informed. And that's something that's so preached and, and, and talked about in the MPI and the MPI courses and, and that little click that you need to look at the research, you need to know the research. But if all you're doing is what's supported in the research, then you're probably leaving stuff on the table. If you're not testing boundaries, if you're not willing to put yourself out there and say, hey, I think this works based off of this and make those logical gaps then you're leaving actual potential on the table. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's a, a finesse to that point or a uh, nuance there. Like, cause especially in strength conditioning, the cool thing now is to say, like, we didn't even talk about programming your actions and those. We talked about being a coach. We talked about <laughs> like the art of coaching and blah, blah, blah. And like, yes, that stuff has all been right. neglected for all so long. All right, Brett. And Easy. All right. This stuff's been neglected for so long and it needs to be forward in our thought and it needs to be brought up. But like, you still got to know the X's and O's. You still have to do your due diligence and not just, you know, create programs on the fly, not just, you know, this exercise looks good or this is a good Instagram exercise. Like you still need to do your due diligence and have that knowledge, which I feel like with strength conditioning, probably not so much with chiropractic, but with strength conditioning is like, has kind of gone by the wayside. 
right? Because, yeah. you know, how many, I don't know, and it, it gets into the stupid game, I think, on Instagram, where it's like, who can trash on whose program more? Like, whatever. But at the same time, like, put a logical, good, coherent program in front of your athletes, period. Well, right. I feel like we get caught up in minutia a lot and yeah. like to like with strength strength conditioning but that all i mean what you're saying does apply to to healthcare as well and to my whole other side of the spectrum like there's a big thing right now like i'm sure you've heard of pain science and all that uh-huh. that whole train and shit like that but the big thing right now for the last like two to three years has been trying to eliminate the words trigger points everybody's like mm-hmm. oh what's a trigger point like there's no trigger points if we because like if you do a cadaveric study and you the body's dead. There's no little nodules of, of taut tissue. Well, there's a tight as fuck point in my trap right underneath my uh, neck. So, what right. So, what? I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's something that I've always I've always thought is I'm like, are we really fucking hung up on the fact that we're calling it a trigger point, not a painful, highly sensitive, hyperalgesic area that is due to random neurologic tightness or whatever it may be is what people are trying to say. It doesn't well, fucking matter what we call it at the end of the day. It really doesn't. It matters what? that we know what it is. We know how to make it a little bit better. And then we continue on that path until that shit is gone. Well, to counter the point too, like there's no evidence of this in a cadaver or whatever. Like what if you die or your mortis happens and then all the stimulus is gone anyway. And then you just get mushy muscles. There's no, tension because there's no nervous impulse going like a hundred a hundred percent like what i what when i talk about this topic to people that either ask or don't ask like this where <laughs> i just randomly go on <laughs> on tangents about it but like Austin's talking just, about cadavers at dinner uh well lucky enough that my fiance is also a cairo <laughs> so yes we she's act better actually. by the way she's better than austin so if you need yeah if she you need actually, any care she actually is she's She's fucking great. Last time I was getting treated by her, she says, she says, tuck your chin and look down. And so I, I did this. And then she goes, no, tuck your chin and look down. And I was like, that's as far as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Alex just letting people. Know. What? Exactly. Yeah. My neck sucks. <laughs> but trigger points. I'm going back to my point. All right. Go ahead. I'll zone out for the next 20 minutes. All right. Perfect. So like trigger points are literally just neurologic tension, right? It doesn't have to be a bundle of muscle tissue. That's, that's, I guess, bundled up. Isn't the same word, but it is just a neurologic expression, expression of tightness. You can change trigger points by exercise. You can change trigger points by doing manual work. You can change trigger points with a needle. You can change trigger points with fucking adjusting somebody because of the reflexive stretch that occurs. But at the end of the day, we need to know that, Hey, the, the biggest concept of trigger point is referred pain. Hey, this is really tight. Talking about a trap. Your trap's really tight. You have that headache. Those two things are correlated. I don't fucking care if there is an actual bundle of tissue there. All I care about is that we know that w- the chicken came before the egg. The tension came before the headache. So why am I going to just put ice on the back of your fucking head to relieve the headache? Why don't I actually go after the neurologic expression of tension that's causing the headache? Well, that was our whole last podcast right was the symptom or the cause or yeah whatever. yeah it was the hamstring tension episode right. so same same type of deal like when you're looking at, at muscles like the other thing that i think it's overlooked too is your your whole body is super like plastic in nature right so like anything that you're getting tied on or anything that's like chronically bothering you it's due to a behavior that you do chronically right so it's not just we talked about not coming out of nowhere it's not like my neck is tight because I just am this way, 
my neck is tight because I wrestled for 20 years. I've been rolling jujitsu because I sit at a desk or I sit on the couch with poor posture. Like those, those are the things that I do chronically. Those are the things that hurt my neck. Like, so there's not a, a out of the blue symptom, right? There's always a behavior that precedes that. And that's where we can get to, into actual change. And that's where like strength and conditioning comes into play where it can make the biggest difference is that we retrain some movement patterns or we get stronger in areas that we weren't strong or that we open up some areas through an active range of motion, like the chronic stimulus. And that's why we, the biggest thing strength and conditioning is consistency, right? It's because that chronic um, exposure is what creates the chain, right? So mm-hmm. I just, think that we we lose sight of that we say like this thing hurts let's fix this thing but really it's this behavior makes this happen let's change the behavior yep. or and you, let's suffer with the behavior if it's necessary well yes exactly because another episode high performance isn't always healthy which like i is, suffer through austin but he's necessary to this business it's true it's true i understand whatever i suffer through the awkward phase of my hair in order to get a luscious flow within the next you're, month you're never gonna catch up dude i'm gonna get the best flow dude you're gonna cut it before your wedding because you get super insecure 100 i think no no i've let it go this far this is the longest it's ever been i know you got a little curly cues in the back huh i know starting Still to not on my level though. a little bit no it'll it'll get going my hair just gets super thick you ever get it thinned yeah. out nope. no no oh i'm not an idiot I want to I'm get getting back to the out. Thor, the Thor flow. It's gonna yeah. be jam. Well, for my wedding, I'm gonna look like Iron Man. So there we go. <laughs> you gonna cut the goatee and everything? Fuck yeah, straight up goatee. <laughs> Hopefully, I can grow a beard by then. I don't know if that'll change in the next 130 days, but <laughs> shave against the grain, man. Can I just put just for men just on my face? <laughs> You're a pathetic excuse for a human. <laughs> Uh, oh what the fuck God. else you got? We, you said list five, list five things. And we've All right, here's something that's way out of your comfort zone. And I want you to actually talk about it. Don't just avoid, you motherfucker. Um, what do you think about intermittent fasting? Uh, all right. Intermittent fasting. So, God, there's so many bad. Put me on the spot. There's all right, let me, let me give you some no, context. Fine. No, I got it. No, I want to give you some context because I'm, right. I'm, I'm asking, one, as a general informational thing, but two because I've started doing it. Yeah. And well, I don't care if you do it. You're not a elite performing athlete. Absolutely. That that's, like a, that's part of the part of the thing. But the other part of the thing is in like the last six weeks, I lost 12 pounds. Yeah. No, I fast personally, again, also not a finely tuned athletic specimen that needs proper rehydration and refueling. I'm a fat piece of shit that helps make people stronger and feel better. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it's one of those things like intermittent fasting has its place, right? It definitely does. Fasting is a tried and true. I, I tell everybody like it stood the test of time. If something's been around since literally we had our books written and it's still being used today, maybe we can't, again, going back to the first topic, quantify everything it does, but we fucking know that it works. It makes humans feel better. It causes us to decrease weight. It causes us to be healthier. Right. So it's stood the test of time. But so Austin, you're a doctor and you need objective values and academic research to prove your point. Don't you? I would say you probably don't in some cases. All right. I would, thank God. I would say Ooh, that if all hey. we use, I would say that is if all we use is our numbers that we've taken I mean, out the human element. You're stepping into the social science. I know. The, it's not even fucking science. It's fine. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess I guess I don't really count then, huh? <laughs> My master's of the arts is something I have to qualify, right? You you're really good at art. <laughs> I can't begin to explain how ignorant that is. <laughs> But no, I, I like so- social studies is my favorite subject. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily... I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash proven grit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash proven grit. That's drinkag1.com slash proven grit. Check it out. Shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Such an idiot. But no. like you said, stand, stand the test of time. I think, you know, and, and like, again, strength and conditioning coaches know as much nutrition as you need to know, right? Like if you're at a D3 school and there's no nutritional support, you have a certification and do the best you can. Sure. And with that podcast with Christina, we talked so much about staying in your lane and all this uh, great information. But so many different roles have been thrust on strength and conditioning coaches, especially in the university setting, because that's how it is. That's how much support the athlete has. But, you know, I, uh, back to my point, strength and conditioning is like to simplify things down. We think about calories in versus calories out. Intermittent fasting is a really easy way to put 
some brackets on your time frames to reduce the calories in. Like that's the only reason it's worked for me. Like I stopped eating breakfast. I stopped snacking mid morning. I don't eat lunch now until noon or one is usually the first thing I eat. And like it's reduced my caloric intake, therefore uh, changing the equation of calories in versus calories out. I 100% think that's the only reason it's changed my body mass. Well, for sure. Well, and I mean, it's like we we learn about it in school. Like I know it's surprising to everybody that I learn about nutrition, but like we we have uh, uh, seven or eight different nutrition classes, and then an extra two if you did the sports med masters. So ten oh. different. Bro, I got that UWL sports nutrition minor in my degree, man. (laughs) Exactly. But like, it's one of those things like for a general population, I'm, I know enough to help, right? I know enough to be able to make you feel better. I know enough that like, like with intermittent fasting to bring it back to this topic, like if you do certain caloric restrictions, right. And on caloric intake, there is going to be an increase in your growth hormone factor. That, that does happen if you go from having no food, causing an increase or causing that no food, then causes an increase in the hormones that then create an increase in growth hormone factor. So that does occur. But it's one of those things that for a athlete, that's where you need to like, realistically, you should probably punt everything in the first place. But if you're in like, if you're in a smaller town, or you're the only person in the area, obviously do what you can to help, right? Because not everything can be done remotely. So I know enough to help a somebody like me. I don't know enough to be the main dietitian dietetic advice for somebody like Kamuela who just got in the UFC. But at the same time, we know enough to say that you shouldn't intermittent fast if you have a high intensity workout at 6 a.m. Well, I know enough to be able to. Well, yes. <laughs> I was going right to my point because I had it on the top of my head. They want to forget. I'm like, yes, I do know enough to say that. <laughs> but I know enough to be able to pick up on bullshit too though. And that's what I, honestly, that's what I use most of my nutrition knowledge for is I know enough to know when a fad, when a fad diet's a fad diet, or I know enough to see if something that one of my fighters is doing or what one of their nutritionists is having them do is good enough to go or good enough to help them to their goals. Right. That's, that's where I use my nutrition knowledge. I don't use it as giving a program. So yeah, that, and I don't think, I don't know that you necessarily need the academic rigor or like the knowledge to have that bullshit detector though. Like, I feel like even the athlete knows like whether or not like this is sound nutrition or is this just what this person is doing to get by? And, and I mean, that goes well beyond nutrition. Like bro, there's some charismatic fucking people out there. Yeah. Especially just look you know. at functional patterns. Look at naughty. He's look. he's working with Kyle Dake purely based around his personality. I mean, don't get me wrong for all the FP fuckers out there. FP has its merits, but every time he puts up an x-ray study, I want to just shoot him because he never uses the same vertebra. And it's an old Cairo trick that literally got us yelled at for hundreds of years or hundred years. Yeah. But, but there's people that are so charismatic that it like people can be easily tricked by charisma, right? Yeah. That's, that's why people are scam artists, like, because they're so charismatic, they can get people to do whatever. So I can, I, I'm pretty good at talking my way out of paper bags. Like if I wanted to, I can talk my way out of a paper bag all day and just talk a whole bunch of bullshit. And there's a lot of people that are way better than it at, or at it than me. So yeah. if you get somebody that wants to be a fight dietitian or a fight nutritionist, cause you can't be a dietitian without uh, education, but want to be a fight nutritionist, but they're just super charismatic and they read one book, they might be able to, to take over a whole 
region. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I dude, guess, charisma's like, a hell of a thing. But I, I don't know. I, I guess innately I'm just skeptic of skeptical of everything. And like it, it begs the question too, like, and I mean this is a whole different argument, but like does the athlete perform in spite of or because of? Like yeah. Because I mean, you think about it and like and then it digs even deeper. And I have this fucking thought going on in my head at least like once or twice a week. It's like, does what we do even matter? You know? Like, no, I mean, yeah. I think about that. Because like there, there's a fine line there. Like just like we were doing earlier when we were building out our uh, a program, you know, we were uh, debating back and forth where where we should put the high intensity circuit. Where should we put this, you know, aerobic training? on the same day, on a different day, like, and then we even both came to the same conclusion. It doesn't matter as long as they get the exposure to the stimulus, you know, like, but like, so in, in that realm, like it's a fine line between does this detail matter or does the whole program matter? Like, because it's, I think it's important that you believe in your training industry program and it's important that you're consistent at it and that you're performing this. The specific corrective exercise, the, you know, the, the exact timing of the workouts, the, you know, sequencing, like you don't, I don't, again, does that, those small details matter? Well, I mean, a lot of people, like I've seen a trend recently where a lot of people are doing a, like almost like a various stimulus or varying stimulus approach where there's like, sure. and I don't, I don't necessarily advocate for this, but I've seen successful trainers talking about how they don't even have any, any uh, backbone at all. They just, it's the CrossFit model work out of the day. And you're just doing completely different workouts every single day. And that repetitive, you're just getting completely wide various of, or uh, a wide variety of stimulus and people are still getting better. Right. Like it doesn't matter, you know, like, like I, I, again, I don't want this to be, be construed the wrong way. Like strength and conditioning coach, like I strongly believe in exercise science and everything that, that it should be progressed and there's principles, but like beyond those principles, what really matters? Like there's a progressive overload. There's a consistency. There's the said principle. There's, you know, these super foundational principles that everybody should adhere to, but like, does it, like, does the specifics matter? And like forever and always like the collegiate football strength and conditioning model or whatever, like where you stand matters. Like, do you count your jumping jacks? That matters, whatever details matter, blah, blah, blah. But do they like, no, like those ones well, don't like, it doesn't well, fucking on matter. Top of all of this, any, n equals one. Yeah. <laughs> like it might, the details might matter to me and might not matter at all to you because I, for whatever reason, had an increased rate of uh, production or an increased rate in um, ability to learn, to retain what's going on. So it all depends on the individual athlete in front of you. The same program could work really fucking well for Alex but because of the way that I perform or the way that I wrestle, or the way that I fight, it doesn't work as well for me. Well, I guess jumping back, that's something that Donna here talked about as well. Like, and again, I don't know. Yeah. I was questioning my head is like, is he ignorant to the strength and conditioning thing? Or is he purposely like shying away from it? Cause he didn't address like strict first, uh, strength and conditioning type of protocols, but like he referred to it as like physical attributes and skills right and you yep. put those two yeah. things kind of juxtaposed but like the physical attributes something that he said it was like you're relatively stuck with those like and yep. and to a degree I, I agree with that but again you can make progress on them like that's why well, you and me have a job right strength is a skill like that's when you start thinking about those attributes as skills right that's yeah. something that uh Pobble talks about a whole bunch and yeah. in, in his strong first stuff is strength it, we got to stop looking at strength as this separate category it's just another skill 
that's why like i tell everybody i'm like hey that's why it's one of the little bars on mario kart it can go up and down it's a fucking skill the same as agility is a skill the same so, that so let's ability get that, to wrestle so is a skill if strength is a skill and you think about like a one rep effort on a deadlift right there's a lot of skill yeah. that goes into that right what's the at least i fucking hope so what's the physical carryover that it fucking matters to wrestling then person i mean i think it's we're strengthening the body in a specific range of motion that we know is going to be similar or it's going to those attributes that you're gaining from the deadlift so hip drive the ability to handle a large amount of load on your trunk which is i think it was specific and it's a skill to being strong for sure it's a but different skill to there's, lifting a human body. hundred percent. But there's still skill transference, right? Right. I mean, that's, like, it's just that's like your when, you, when you do a, study and I, bi- I guess I don't you do really a bicep have. curl on the right side, it's still strengthening the left side. Like yeah. it's that, that same thing too, where it's uh, it's cross training. Yeah. And that's what I think is the biggest benefit of strength and conditioning is the, for MMA in particular is the cross training aspect of it that you're able to do. The other thing I like about S and C like the way that it transfers over to, uh, I guess, skill or to skill practice, quote unquote, to use a pun on what we call regular MMA practice, is that it's there's less variables. The cool yeah. thing about strength and conditioning is that I can boil it down to a specific set of variables versus when you're in practice, it's an entire system. So if I notice that there's something that isn't working in their full total arsenal of wrestling, then I can isolate the variable and specifically train that in the weight room yeah i like that approach uh, and I, I i agree with you i mean i'm just trying to play devil's advocate too like to try and dig deeper like we have the transfer of, of training to sport like I, I agree with that but i don't know man i think it's marginal i think so many strength and conditioning coaches and i don't think it's the fault of their own i think it's the culture of training and of becoming a strength and conditioning you have to like go whole hog into it right like there's no like casual successful strength and conditioning coaches no. but like they s- get so deep into this training is going to be the best for you this is the extra 10% that puts you over the top this is the the what champions do blah 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 it's like bro settle down doesn't fucking well, matter. That's that's the same to me. That's the exact same thing that you do, like when we qualify or have to qualify when that we were D three wrestlers. It's like you have to qualify why you're worth what they're paying you, yeah. or why you're why you're worth time in their week. And you have to like it's almost like you're over it. Like it's literally the same situation as I wrestled D three, but in high school I did X Y and Z, and like I, I was a D one recruit, stuff like that. You're doing the same thing when you say, oh, like, I think you should be training three times a week because it's going to be that thing that sets you over the edge. It's going to be the thing that makes you climb the mountain, all these different aspects, because you have to you feel like you have the need to justify why they're doing extra time. Right. When in reality, what's strength conditioning good for cross training? So getting you off the mat and still working on attributes and injury prevention. Those are the two. Those are the two biggest benefits of strength conditioning for MMA fighters. Right. And, and again, there's a logical way to do that and an illogical way to do that. Like, like you bring up the cross training part or like people doing like CrossFit and wads, like you could raise the argument, like the, why doesn't every MMA guy just do CrossFit as well? Because there's a better way to do it. Right. There's, there's what we do, which is like the sports performance training and has some type of scientific structure and uh, research behind it. And we think is forward, excuse me, which is forward thinking and knowledgeable, but like that's, I guess the the cornerstone of our practice is that we're doing it better or we're doing it more informed than 
just throw this cross training in. For, well, yeah, because you got to know this, the reason why I don't think everybody should just hop on into a CrossFit class because that's such open-ending programming and you're getting a wide variety of stimulus is because you want something that's going to be tailored to you and you want something that you know is going to have a progression upwards. Even though it's like sports science, I think the thing that bites sports science in the ass a lot of the times as far as research and people like saying, oh, there's valid research in the field is that it's so new. Like we don't like we don't really think about like sports science, exercise and sports science is not even a century old as far yeah. as like legitimate, le- legitimate studies on it. It's about 75 years old. So we're trying to do longevity studies. Like right now, we're processing the first longevity studies. <laughs> like yeah. it, we still haven't gone through the entire first generation of highly qualified strength and conditioning coaches. Think about like Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle isn't even retired yet. He's one of the he's one of the OGs, and he's still out there fucking kicking it. And yeah. he's changed up the way he's trained from the beginning to now. But because of how new the field is, it's hard for people that are coming from hard sciences to say, "Oh, there's a clear path." forward because they don't understand all the variables that you and I make a difference, but because we can't legitimately quantify them yet to suffice a hard science person like John Donaher, for example, that he says that there's not quality evidence supporting the fact of these X, Y, and Z having proper periodization, having proper programming, all these different things. And proper is a proper is a loose term, right? Yeah. Because we do know the other thing on top of all of that is like, there are two ways to skin a cat, like two people with two completely different programs could actually get a very similar dose response for that athlete. Right. And it all depends on how that a lot of it depends on how the message is conveyed by the coach. Right. Because we know that in, in person, the conveyment or conveying and the way that you say something matters a lot more than the words that actually come out of your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like, that's circling back to that's being a coach, right? That's like, like one of the first experiences I had with the collegiate rugby team, I, I wrote a program and not everybody can make every day or whatever. So I sent the PDF out into our group chat, I like PDF, here's our program. Like if you can't make it, like try and get into the gym, do it yourself, blah, blah, blah. One, they probably wouldn't have got or didn't get the same quality out of the workout because they weren't in the weight room with us, blah, blah, blah. But one of the coaches brought it up to me is like, aren't you concerned that that program is going to be out there now? And like, you know, your program is going to like potentially be spread around. (laughs) And I was like, like one, you're not getting the same product. Like it may be written down on paper percentage rep set schemes, whatever. It may be written down exactly similar. Like that's cool. You're not going to perform it how I would coach it. You're not going to be in the same environment. You're not going to get the same type of work that you would, should you be in the weight room during our session Two, let's fast forward six months from now, if you're still doing that program six months from now, like one, you haven't progressed a whole lot Two, if I'm not onto better stuff, I'm not new to my job, developing myself to yep. change. So it's like this, I don't know, this disconnect between here's a program versus here's the actual, you know, product of a coach. Right. And that was my, that was my crux with online coaching for such a long time. But again, I think there's been leaps and browns uh, that have been done to facilitate that hundred percent better. Like, like the software that we use, like the video explanations, like all this other stuff. Like, I think you can do that to a suscept or a uh, acceptable level nowadays where earlier on, I was like, I can't do a good job coaching. Why would I do that? You know? Right. Well, and on, on top of all of that, like a, a plan is still better than no plan. 
(laughs) And I, and most people know, but I know myself personally, like I do a lot better when somebody else is programming for me than when I try to do my own program, because (laughs) I never do the shit. I don't find in my own program. You know, last time that I've back squatted was probably four years ago. Cause I fucking hate back squats. I like front squats and I like goblet squats or uh, front rack squats, whatever, or like with a kettlebell, whatever it may be. But I don't put weight on my shoulders because I don't, I don't fucking want to do it. Does it fucking matter? Uh, depends on what my goals are. It does. If I'm trying to increase bone density and add weight onto my back squat, well, it does. It doesn't. If I'm just trying to be a healthy human, that's a hard debate though, because like, I would argue that no, it doesn't matter if you front squat, back squat, goblet squat, whatever. The difference is the absolute loading. Like we can put, uh, you're going to get a lot stronger and we can put a lot more weight on the back squat. Right. But like, where does yeah. that absolute capacity need to be? You know, because <laughs> like if I can't back squat more than like 150 pounds, I need to work on that capacity. Right. right. But if I can back squat 400 pounds, I don't think there's a problem with, you know, training the other modalities because we don't need that other one. So it's like, I don't know, that's the give and take between like the physiological and physical adaptation versus the like skill and um, opportunity or like versatility. Like when you get stronger, you get more versatile. Like, because again, because once I have that back squat high enough, I can pick a different type of squat. I don't have to right. limit myself to the back squat, but if you're not strong enough, you need to get stronger. How are you going to do that? There's different ways to, to skin right. that cat, but there's, there's a better there's a ways than way. others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And that, I mean, that comes into like the difference between programming. This was something we were going to talk about before is the difference between programming for a, like a me or you and the difference in programming for an elite athlete, right? If we're programming for a weekend warrior, there's a lot more variety. In what, not, I guess not varieties, right? Well, the variety is the right word. There's a lot more ways to accomplish those goals, yeah. right? You can do a lot of different things because in reality, it doesn't really matter the specific exercise. It matters that they're covering the most distance possible and they're covering the, the widest spectrum possible to still be in line with their goals, right? Versus for a finely tuned elite athlete, like there are certain times we need to peak. There's certain times we need to be able to deload. There's certain, I mean, you should deload for the most part with everybody, but, <laughs> but for an athlete, it's extremely important. Like you need to deload a little bit. You need to peak at a certain time. You need yeah. to do all X, Y, and Z that make them feeling the freshest and the best on fight day or on match day mm-hmm. for a regular person. Unless they have a specific date, like, Hey, they're doing a marathon. It's a lot more important that you just make them increase their sustainability and make them healthier and live longer. Cause that's why people train unless, unless you're an elite athlete, that's why the fuck you should be trained. Just a little longer. Yep. Stay, stay athletic. And I don't know for the fun of it. Like that's why I play rugby. That's why I do jujitsu. It's fun. Yeah. I might, I actually, I'll say it here first. It's going to be announced on the podcast. I might get back into wrestling a little bit. Oh yeah. You're going to pull the old Nelson Baker. Yeah, uh, that's actually, he's, he's the driver behind it. I thought about, I was just rolling a little bit recently and I've been thinking about, I'm like, Hey, maybe, maybe I could come back and do just uh three or four Greco tournaments this year. Just see. Cool. I'm playing some rugby games. I want to do jujitsu competition. I don't yeah, know. I know. That was the other thing variety. I was thinking about just jumping into is jujitsu, but I never, I've personally never gotten a stop sign for freestyle or Greco, like kind of like a Nelson was saying. Mm-hmm. where he's, he's never had a stop sign. And I'm like, I'd, I'd like to go out there and get one of those or at least try. 
just to see if I can. Maybe you never got even one? not not in Fargo. No, I the oh, only time I, the I national I, scene. Well, I took so I took second in folk style, but I took fucking the year the year that I probably would have, or I was projected to be close to at least placing, is the year that I snapped. Yep, yeah, <laughs> snapped my wrist first match. Yeah, sucks. So I, I had like one great like I had won the regional tournament or whatever. I don't. Know one it fucking was right. and i was going in but yeah. before we get too down the reminiscent rabbit hole i know i could talk about this shit forever those are know. the glory days dude that's the conversations i always skipped out in college it's like who wrestled who i know this guy you know this guy whatever this year blah 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 i know this wrestler um, man i was just not i wasn't on that scene and i wasn't about it i just i loved it's a small world and I appreciate the, I appreciate the, the, the camaraderie or the unity that every, everybody gets from it. Like I take pride and say that I'm a wrestler, but yeah, I never got on the, like, I don't know. Well, who I just who, like who wrestled who type of, yeah. I mean, I obviously, you know, I like that type of stuff just because that's, I mean, it's just like history. It's how you point. connect with people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's how I was able to connect with a lot of people just in the sport, but also like the, being from Illinois is different. And like, I know you didn't wrestle a bunch of freestyle Greco cause you were a multi-sporter, but like the being on team Illinois, going to Fargo, knowing you were about to whoop everybody, every other state in the country's <laughs> ass, knowing that you're the people when you walk into the arena and people like, Oh fuck, there's that. Like yeah. being a part of that culture and having that culture, not only be the bad, the, the baddest motherfuckers in that tournament, but also being on the team that, probably had the most fun out of every other team on that tournament. It's yeah. something that I've always aspired to recreate with the teams that I coach as well as the businesses that I have, yeah. because it was Everybody. an environment that I looked forward to. I literally looked forward to all four times I went because it was, it was, it was one of the best times of the, of the weekend or yeah. of the year, realistically, one of the best weekends of the year yeah, or this sure. week, seven days, but yeah, like it's, it's cool. But anyways, let's not reminisce. I don't want, I don't need to talk about Fargo. fucking getting sympathy pains in my wrists and shit all right that's the podcast today oh yeah so if you guys let us know um review this actually leave a comment on the promo that we do on instagram if you like these bullshit sessions please please let us know because we've been pretty structured up until this point but this is something that we might want to start throwing in there just almost even maybe having like a fan question episode uh stuff like that where we i know we need what fans first. What do I know? Why but do, I doing I know? stuff like this, which is a little bit more loosely, uh, a little bit more loosely, I would say, structured. So sure. as always, please like, share, subscribe, do all the cool shit that allows us to talk to more people and talk to your friends. Because all we want to do is be friends with your friends. That's all that matters in life. As well as please, if you got to get in contact with us, all of our information is in the show notes. Go to the website. We have the low back program is launched as well as custom team programs. Um, We have a custom individual program and phase one of building a fighter that we have going. So all of those programs are already launched. We also have free resources that are available for you. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. I don't know. I'm just messing around. See you later off, which I did. Uh Um, He was miming since we don't have video. He was miming different hand signals. (laughs) He looked like he was in fucking Naruto. Um, But so please get in contact us with us if you need anything or go to the website and actually a lot of the resource actually a lot of the questions we get are actually in resources that we've created for you guys so questions could be answered there um please listen and right. share let's go play rocket league <laughs> all right all right Thank you, everybody. later dr austin shane alex freeman and we are out